that's the yeah, perfect yeah, punishment. Yeah, that is the oh. perfect punishment for you. You deserve every bit of that because how many Super Bowl victories have you seen in your lifetime, my friend? Two. Two. And how many Super Bowl appearances have you seen from the Steelers? Four. And how many quarterbacks did the Browns run through in that period? Oh, God, Nick. I, I, I'm not good at math, man. I, I, the, the quadratic equation shouldn't be used on quarterbacks as he holds up. Oh, my God. Is that a Kessler jersey? Jesus that Christ. That is a Cody Kessler jersey. I didn't even remember his first name. I did not buy this. This was sent to me when people in the NFL offices cleaned out when they moved to the new ones. They sent it to me, and, and if it was an autograph, honestly, I don't know if it's worth anything with the autograph, to be completely frank. I'm not sure. You know what else the Browns fans have had to deal with in that stretch of time when you've had all this success? Selections like this. That's Corey Coleman. You don't even remember who that is. Speaking of getting the party started. For the victory lap, though. They ain't never seen nothing like this before. Lit the room when I came through the front door. Ask me if I should suffer come work for I thought I could sneak in a swig of water there, but no, I couldn't. Who cares anyways? It is time for another episode of the Gridiron Podcast. It's episode 22 of your favorite podcast that you just don't know about yet. And like our guy Madden said in the chat already, Gridiron time, baby. You got that right, Madden. Thank you for Hanging out with us here on a late Thursday night, going into Friday morning. Sean, it's been a little bit since we podcast. Uh, that's that's not uncommon with us this time of year. It's been a busy time of year. Um, You're working. It's been the holiday time of year. Did Santa get you everything you wanted, Nick? Santa got me um, an authentic Donovan Mitchell jersey, a pair of new Bose uh, earbuds for the gym and for daily life yeah i made out well and by santa i mean bridget so thank you to bridget of course but this is episode 22 and uh we're gonna take a little bit of a different approach because new year's is right around the corner just a few days away so instead of diving into the latest that has happened in the nfl last time we did a podcast we talked about who's on the hot seat um brandon staley has since been fired we had him on the hot seat and as getting fired and he is not going to be the only one who gets fired as is the case traditionally annually in the nfl but sean something um something happened tonight um, something did happen tonight nick in your hometown well a football, in- a football game happened um that that's true four quarters of football were played but uh sean could you tell everybody what really happened the cleveland browns absolutely dismantled the new york jets and have clinched a spot in the playoffs, Nick. How about that, man? Would you ever have thought a couple months ago? Yeah, crack it open, buddy. Crack it open. You know what? You deserve it. You deserve it. What do we got there? An Elliot Ness? Commodore Perry IPA Commodore straight from Cleveland's own Great Lakes Brewery. Let's let's crack one for, for the city of Cleveland for Browns fans everywhere. Don't give up the ship and the Browns didn't tonight. Who would have thought months ago? I mean, this hasn't been said enough over the past couple of weeks, right? That... Browns fans would be chanting Joe Flacco's name in their stadium. Now the winningest quarterback ever in Cleveland Browns stadium history. Is he really? Oh yeah, because of all the wins he had there with the Ravens. That's kind of exactly. a loaded, loaded stat. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, he's number one. Baker Mayfield's number two. Ben Roethlisberger's number three. The Browns clinch a playoff spot for the earliest at the earliest point. Technically, the same point because Week Seventeen 
was the final right. week of the regular season back in 2002 when they beat the Falcons and then got some help from, I think, the Packers to get into the playoffs. Oh, no, it was the Jets. I think the Jets played somebody that year. I just remember hearing people on the radio chanting the Jets chant, which, oddly enough, the Browns beat the Jets tonight to clinch a playoff spot. That was week 17 back then. It is week 17 now, but it is not the last week of the season because of the expansion of the regular season. So for the first time in my conscious football viewing life, the Cleveland Browns have clinched a playoff spot before the final week of the regular season. They needed to beat the Steelers in 2020 to get in. Then they did what, Sean? Then they beat the Steelers in the playoffs. You sent me a text before that game, and you were like, congrats on the win. Like, literally, before the game, you're like, congrats on the win. Yeah, they didn't have their head coach. You didn't even believe it. I actually cried that night because I never thought I'd see them again. Oh, look, we got new people chiming in here. We're streaming on Twitter for the first time, which hopefully should expand our audience. You can also follow us on Twitch and on YouTube, Gridiron page on YouTube. Uh, Grid, make sure you put iron in, in brackets. Uh, it's at Gridiron Pod if you want to use the little at there. And then on Twitch, it's at the Nick Shook, uh, which matches my Twitter. But we are on Twitch or on Twitter for the first time, and we got we got a Browns fan here. He says uh, they miss me on CBD, which is not uh, the CBD supplement, but Cleveland Browns Daily, the daily show. I was, I was, I had questions. Yes, I did have questions. Run no, it, it, it is really cool watching that game tonight because it hits you that the last time the Browns did this, it was 2020. We were in the middle of a COVID pandemic, and fans weren't in stadiums. Like the city of Cleveland did not get to celebrate that you know playoff run properly. Um, and tonight they get they to do that. So it was, it yeah. was really cool to see those scenes. At a, are you still calling? Is it still First Energy Stadium? No, no, no. They took the name off. Um, I don't know if it was related to the whole uh, racketeering scandal that uh, First oh Energy paid roughly two billion in, in fines back to uh, the government. Whoa. But First Energy Stadium is no more. It's back to Cleveland Brown Stadium. And and fun fact, Sean, because I drive by it often and see it and think it's kind of funny considering everything. There is no sign on the stadium as of right now. Interesting. That does not matter. No sign. Do you think they it took? A, do you think they took down the uh, first energy name at the uh, first energy auditorium inside uh, the journalism building at Kent State University? That's a good question. I don't know. I think it's less um, less notable, and probably they probably don't care. I don't know. I don't even know if it's still named that. Who knows? Did you text me earlier tonight? All all checks cash the same. They do. They do. And uh, the Browns certainly. Cashed a check on Thursday night. Sign on the stadium or not, they're going to the playoffs. And you know what, Sean? I, I got one more surprise for you because, you know, I, I don't want to talk this whole show about this, but we're going to do a couple more things here. First, we're going to change the background here to a little bit of orange, getting the right theme. And secondly, if you'll humor me for a moment. I'll be taking his shirt off. We got there a Josh go. Gordon jersey on. I, I'm not going to lie. I thought that was a Brady Quinn jersey. You thought it was a what? A Brady Quinn jersey. That would have been funny, too. But we got... That really would have been funny. We got a Josh Gordon jersey on, folks. I'm getting fully into the spirit. But I'm putting the, the hat Josh back Gordon on. The Josh Gordon spirit, or...? Uh, well, uh, you know, Katie's not here, so I feel like that's ah, not true. appropriate. No, true, no, true, true. No. Without, yeah, without Katie, Katie. Katie has the night off, except not really. She's working tonight. Tending bar in Kimberly, British Columbia. I always yes. want to say Ontario, but it's not Ontario. She lives we, across the we country. We miss Katie. We miss Katie very much. Um, hopefully, she'll be back here soon. Um, but yeah, so the Browns clinched. They're going to the playoffs. Uh, and I think that leads us right into the next segment. Before we kind of do the year in review thing, Sean, let's let's do an update here on the NFL. Yeah. Since, um, we haven't podcast in a few weeks. So as it stands right now, seven teams have clinched playoff spots, AFC and NFC combined. Three in the AFC, four in the NFC. The four in the NFC are the 49ers. The Eagles, 
The Lions, big, big week for teams that have not experienced success in a long time. The Lions and the Browns. The Lions clinched their division at 11 and 4. And the Cowboys have clinched a playoff spot in a very tight race to top the NFC, which I don't know about you, Sean, but I feel like that's actually a little misleading. You know, people wonder um, is it, uh, <clears throat> is the AFC superior to the NFC? Because based on overall record, Oh yeah, that's that's a good question, but I I, I don't I don't want to put too much stock in that just because of how good the top of the NFC is. Like you look at San Fran, you look at Philadelphia, you look at Dallas. Yes, I know that the Ravens just absolutely, you know, whated uh, San Fran the other week, but or the other night rather, uh, Christmas night to be exact. But at the same time, like that's one game you can have a bad game. So I don't want to anoint the AFC as the dominant conference just yet because when it comes down to it, it's still going to be a really good Super Bowl. I think so. You know, it's weird. It's a strange season as we go into this playoff picture. There is no dominant team. There yep. is. And and it fits the season that it's been at quarterback, if you really think about it. Um, we've had quarterbacks go down across the league. It's been in Cleveland. It's been in Minnesota. Um, how many How many quarterbacks? Uh, I think 54 quarterbacks have now taken snaps in the NFL this season. And as somebody who does the QB index, let me tell you, it's been, it's been a bear. I had somebody... Somebody jump in my mentions about QB index a week or two ago, and they're like, uh, where's so-and-so? And I wanted to be like, um, I think it was, uh, where's Geno Smith? And I was like, he didn't play last week. Then's the rules. If you don't play, you're not in the QB index. You know, uh, So <laughs> it's been a hell of a year when it comes to quarterbacks, but that's kind of indicative of this NFL at large. Uh, we don't have a runaway favorite. The 49ers look like that team. I was saying for the last couple of weeks, I've, I haven't felt this confident in a team since the 2016 Falcons. Yeah, and um, then they go and get bum rushed at home by the Ravens, who maybe they're the team now. Right, here's the thing, okay? As two guys who were born and raised in the AFC North, Sean, what do you think about the Ravens? I think that they are playing like the best team in the league right now, but at the same time, they could lose their next two games, or they could lose in Week 18 to Pittsburgh in some horrible, sloppy game where the score is, you know, thirteen to nine, like. That sort of stuff, just I'm used to expecting that in the AFC North. So I don't want to, again, put too much stock in them either. I, th this is up. I had this horrible feeling in the pit of my stomach tonight. Wow, Joe Flacco and the Browns might mess around and win a Super Bowl. Because it's possible. Because it's possible. Why is it a horrible feeling as I wear this Browns jersey? <laughs> Because, well, A, as a Steelers fan, I, just, I don't want to think about a world in which the Browns have a Super Bowl parade. I was happy for you when the Cavs won it. I was ecstatic. That was a great finals. But I, I really don't want to think about what would happen, um, especially to our relationship if the Browns ever did. Win the wait, Super wait, Bowl. wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Hold on. Let's take a step back here. This is a relationship, a very close friendship that began at Kent State. That is true. That is true. Uh, but Nick, in you forget. I I had to, no, 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 no. I had to sit at a house party, a frat party, yes. as a freshman or a sophomore, and someone's playing something, and you just—it was black and yellow. Black yep. and yellow is blaring in the basement of this dingy house. And Sean raises his drink, and he goes, "Hell yeah, baby! Stairway to seven. Let's go, Steelers, all the way!" And they made it that year. They and did they make lost. it. Yeah, they did. 
They lost Super Bowl to the year. Green Bay Packers. Yeah, you forget um, that I also live with a Browns fan too. And all night I was getting texts. How, How about those brownies? How about those brownies? That's the yeah, perfect yeah, punishment. Yeah, that is the oh. perfect punishment for you. You deserve every bit of that because how many Super Bowl victories have you seen in your lifetime, my friend? Two. Two. And how many Super Bowl appearances have you seen from the Steelers? Four. And how many quarterbacks have the Browns run through in that period? Oh, God, Nick. I, I, I'm not good at math, man. I, I, the, the quadratic equation shouldn't be used on quarterbacks as he holds up. Oh, my God. Is that a Kessler jersey? Jesus that Christ. That is a Cody Kessler jersey. I didn't even remember his first name. I did not buy this. This was sent to me when people in the NFL offices cleaned out when they moved to the new ones. They sent it to me, and, and if it was an autograph, honestly, I don't know if it's worth anything with the autograph, to be completely frank. I'm not sure. You know what else the Browns fans have had to deal with in that stretch of time when you've had all this success? Selections like this. That's Corey Coleman. You don't even remember who that is. I, I don't. I got I to gotta be honest with you. I don't. The worst of all. The Browns nail a first-round pick. He plays well. He takes the city on his shoulders. In fact, he has since then. And where does he retire? Ah, Joe Hayden. Technically, I, I, technically, didn't he sign a one-day contract to retire? He did, Brown? but he played his last five years of pretty good football with the Steelers. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. You, I you, am you, walking you said you right sayonara to him, and he got, he got five good years in Pittsburgh. Look, I grabbed these props on purpose. I planned to walk you into this, and I wanted to go through this. Because That's fine. It is far from complete this year, but the fact that the Browns got to this point is uh, remarkable. And so every time I hear you complain about the Steelers, I just think, ah, it's I'm nice. I'm not complaining. I haven't complained yet. I haven't complained yet. Yes. Not today, but not you, today. you, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, so let me run this by you then before we look at the rest of the picture. What does the scene look like in Baltimore if the Ravens host the Browns in the divisional round or, God forbid, the AFC championship game? I mean, I mean, hey, stranger things have happened. We've seen we've seen AFC North title games before. You know me and you know how much of a cynic I am. But the I got the same feeling you got tonight, which is, oh, my God, the Browns could do anything because they've already gotten past that point where. Like they have a million reasons to not even be 11 and five to not be in the playoffs. They should have fallen yeah. apart two months ago and yet they haven't. And they, despite all the injuries, cause it's not just Deshaun Watts or Nick Chubb. It, it's, it runs the gamut. You lost both of your starting tackles. You bought your, you lost your backup right tackle. At one point, a couple weeks ago, they were playing with one of their five starting offensive linemen. They had second and third stringers through the rest of the group. Defensively, they've lost a number of guys. They've seen guys come and go. Grant Delpit, who was having a career year out. Obo Karanquo maybe might come back after getting a second opinion, but like you can just continue to run down the list of all these other guys who have not been able to play, and yet they look like they're getting better. And that's why it's that's... such a good story. I mean, it's not just Flacco coming off the bench. It's a team that has been gutted by injuries, and they're still finding ways to win. And, and yeah, but like I, I don't know if – like I, I, at this point I look at them and I just think, I don't know what to expect from them other than that Joe Flacco is going to throw the piss out of the football and we'll see what happens from there. Like that, like he's going to throw a pick a game. I, 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 I love how, I love how people also say like, no one, no one gave a, Joe Flacco a call. This dude was just sitting on his couch. No one wanted to give him a call. Would you have given him a call? No, of course not. Cause he has looked terrible the past couple of years as a second and third string quarterback with the jets and God knows who else. Like, no, I yeah. wasn't going to give Joe Flacco a call. Are you kidding me? Yeah, you did this out of, out, out of desperation. 
And it turned out to be one of the biggest just surprises. I mean, God, down here in Tampa Bay, Baker Mayfield deserves Comeback Player of the Year, if not for DeMar Hamlin. Joe Flacco is going to mess around and win Comeback Player of the Year, and he's only going to play, like, what, seven or eight games? Uh, yeah, it's going to be, I think, six games in the regular season. Was he played four or five? He's got, he could have one more in yeah. six games. Like, that's how insane. The, and that's, I think, what the fun thing for me was living here, seeing this up close and also covering the entire league. So I'm always tapped into everything. Watching the national perspective on it, it, and maybe that was what crystallized it in in my head, where I was like, "This team could do anything because they're just yeah. so far past the point of of realistic thought, rational thought." Where the Nationals' perspective was like, "Look at this story," and I'm like, "Oh my god!" You know, for all my cynicism, they're right. This is a hell of a story. Like, whether you have a Josh Gordon jersey in your closet or not, how can you not root for this team just because so much has gone wrong and yet they find ways to win? The mistake on the uh, the mistake on the lake is alive and well, and it's a happy mistake. Okay, mm. it, it it is a good mistake because we said this this shouldn't be happening right now. In no world does this happen. Do you lose your starting quarterback, your backup quarterback, your you know all world rusher, uh, half of your defense, half of your offensive line, Amari Cooper? Like in no world do you lose all that and you get better and you look like a team tonight that could legitimately contend for a Super Bowl. Yeah, which is insane to think of. And even in the back of my head, I'm going to think, don't even think like that until it happens. But at this point, anything is possible for this team because I have no frame of reference for them anymore. And it's fun to watch. It's fun to watch. Now, as for who they will play, let's get back to the playoff picture. Let's go to the AFC side. The Ravens, Dolphins, and Browns have clinched playoff spots. The one seed is still up for grabs. In order for the Browns to win it, they have to watch the Ravens lose to the Dolphins, who are right behind them. And then the Dolphins, well, the Ravens need to lose two games, and the Browns need to win one more game for them to win the AFC North. To get the one seed, I don't know if that's actually possible, because the Dolphins, if they beat the Ravens, they'd be 12-4. and four, And if they went 12-5, and five, I think it would come down to tiebreaker. So I don't know if that's possible, but they can still win the AFC North. I don't think that's going to happen. Let's just put that out there right now. I don't yeah. think that's going to happen. I think that the Ravens are playing too good of football. But it's kind of like what Andrew Whitworth said on the pregame tonight, which he was like, you know, everything says it was either Andrew Whitworth or Tony Gonzalez. Everything says that the Ravens are going to win in Miami and they're going to lock up the one seed because they're playing with all the momentum, which tells me that the Dolphins are going to win because nothing makes sense and nothing especially makes sense this season. So everything's still up for grabs. But the rest of the playoff picture, uh, we, we are uh, looking at some teams that are in tough spots right now. Let's see in the hunt, according to NFL.com's playoff picture, which is updated constantly with playoff probability provided by none other than next gen stats there's a plug if i had a ding bell i'd play it the chiefs are nine and six and they have a playoff probability of 85 percent. even if they lose to the Bengals this week 95 percent they're currently standing and 99 percent greater than 99 percent if they win so all they need to do is just take care of business but they don't look great and we could dive into that if we really want to that's up to you uh I don't think we have enough time to diagnose the Chiefs' problems because I, I don't even think they know what their problems are. They're soft at receiver. Their offense isn't moving right now. I think they've just tried to plug holes and duct tape holes for too long, and now that duct tape is kind of starting to peel off a little bit. Like, the varnish is showing. You know what I mean? Like, all right, we patched work this thing together, and we got a Super Bowl last year. Uh, now it's not really holding on, and the ship is taking a little bit of water. Like, they have to figure stuff out, but there's a lot of things they have to figure out. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, it's it's a it's a systemic problem almost. Uh, everybody around Patrick Mahomes is not playing well. He's trying too hard. He's throwing 
interceptions, turning the ball over because he's trying too hard because yeah. he's just trying to be himself and nobody else is carrying the rest of the water necessary to, to hydrate this whole team. So I think they'll figure it out, but I don't see them as like a powerhouse as they were in recent years, just because they have so many issues that look, I mean, it's week 17 and they still haven't ironed it out. Um, but the rest of the playoff picture, I mean, you go down to the Jags who are in freaking free fall right now, 69%. Nice current uh, chance of making the playoffs as it stands. If they lose that drops to 40%. If it wins, it goes up to 82, still not super safe. Even if they win, they are playing Carolina who went toe to toe with the Packers. Packers have a leaky defense. Everybody in Packerland wants their defensive coordinator fired in week yeah. 17. I understand why. Um, but they look like, I mean, if there's any team that you would like to play the most in the playoffs right now that are in the hunt or, you know, in line to make the playoffs, it's got to be the Jaguars, right? 100%. It's got to be the Jags. Uh, Trevor Lawrence isn't playing that great. He's been banged up. He got benched here last week in uh, Tampa Bay. Uh, they don't look good. They don't look like a complete team. And I'm starting to wonder, is this Trevor Lawrence's ceiling? Is, is this what he is? Interesting. Um, but at the same time, watch what they did. I mean, look at what they did last year. What, what was the what was the comeback against the Chargers? Like this team can still put up points and they can still catch fire. That's why this there's so much parity in the league right now, especially among these playoff teams. There's not much separating like the the, the Browns who are now sitting there at the five seed, the five from seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah, um, I I I pause on putting too much blame on Trevor Lawrence because I don't think he's healthy. I, I just don't think he's hot. He's he no. had a knee issue he was dealing with. He had that ankle sprain that, you know, was ugly. That was in prime time. Now he's got a shoulder issue. I mean, the guy just is getting beat up. And this is not a year where we make excuses for teams considering what the Browns have done, but the Browns are the outlier. I wonder if they're actually going to finish it off or if they're going to let, you know, Houston or Indianapolis who are tied with them in terms of overall record right there. Very much in the hunt. Uh, let them sneak in there. Having Carolina in week 17 is certainly uh, uh, very advantageous for them. So we'll see. But um, I, I mean, as it stands right now, if the Browns, the Browns would play the Jaguars uh, on Super Wildcard Weekend if they end up as the five seed. And I can't think of a better matchup for two teams heading in opposite directions, right? Uh, than for the Browns right now. But all right, uh, the Bills, Sean. We were about ready to bury the Bills a couple weeks ago. Here's the thing about the Bills. Everyone is talking about how good they've been playing, how good Josh Allen has been playing. But have they, though? These mm. have still been – I mean, that was a good win against Dallas. It was. But you're following that up against, uh, you know, just a kind of a stinker of a game. You still want it. Like, the Bills still don't look that good. They're, the good news is they're winning games, and they beat a really good team in Dallas. Uh, was that game in Dallas? Uh, no, that was in Buffalo. Okay, yeah. Stat I heard today. The Cowboys score half as many points on the road as they do at home. That's a problem. And we can get to the Cowboys here in a minute. But I don't really trust the Bills that much either. Um, I hate – I sound like a broken record. There's Again, there's so much parity. There's not one team I trust to go out there and say the Lombardi Trophy is yours. There's not two teams I trust to say these two teams will meet in the Super Bowl. It could be the Ravens. It could be the Browns. It could be the Bills. It could be the Dolphins. I don't know. The Dolphins only have – one win over a team over 500, and that was the Cowboys this last week, who, again, don't play well on the road. Yeah, and they're going to end up playing on the road uh, as a wild card team unless they can win the NFC East, which is guess the where they're coming. slimmer and slimmer. Ooh, baby. Let's you know, hold that. Hold that thought. Last year. 
hold that thought. We'll get we're going to get back there because that's very intriguing because I love what's going on there. Before we switch to the next team, Lemon Bendy chiming in says at least we only have another 10, 12 to 20 more hours with Romo and the Chiefs for the rest of the season. Oh, Jim, here it goes, Jim. Small oh, miracles, wow. small miracles, folks. <laughs> All right. You but Nick, so you can get them. We're, we're looking at the bubble like we're, we're, we're saying the Bills are in, right? I think they get in. Yes, they, they have a 91 percent chance of making the playoffs. Yeah. The Bills are in. Here are the three teams that are really, really, really on the bubble. Uh, four teams, I should say. You've got the Bengals are sitting there at eight and seven. Team? Yeah, I, I okay. said here's right. the four teams. All right. And in the AFC, that is the Bengals sitting at eight and seven have a 19 percent chance to make the playoffs. Steelers eight and seven, four and one in the division, mind you, a 12 percent chance to make the division or playoffs. And then you've got the Texans and Colts also sitting at eight and seven. Colts, a slight edge. I think they hold that seven seed, right? Yep. And they have a 48% chance to make the playoffs. Texans with a 40% chance to make the playoffs. The prob- Let's start here. The problem for the Steelers, they have lost to the Jags, Colts, and Texans. Okay? All of those teams sit at 8-7. and seven. That's a problem. The only team they have a tiebreaker over right now is the Bengals, who they beat beaten twice. So I see why the Steelers only have a 12% chance to make the playoffs. And I'm saying they are not going to make the playoffs because they have the Seahawks this week who are fighting for their own playoff future. And then you've got the Ravens in week 18 who maybe maybe starters are resting but to say the Steelers are going to win both of those games and then get the help they need to make the playoffs that's a stretch yeah and I was looking at the records and I was thinking wait so the Steelers have already played the Ravens they're four and one in the division right now they got one more left when did they beat the Ravens and then I ran it back and I was like oh it was that Ravens meltdown in Pittsburgh absolute meltdown absolute meltdown the Steelers had no business winning that game and I don't think they'll win that game in week 18 but that's the Steelers Ravens game that is a that is that is how those (laughs) games are played always yeah excuse me I'm like am I did I say something funny (laughs) no I use you am uh, I like a a clown to you hmm you know where real quick l- 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 real quick just let me move on um the Bengals also i think they got exposed this week jake browning nice story his runs over at one point we were saying wow could the could the could the afc north even be like a four bid team or four bid league no i think i think it's pretty safe to say it's going to be the colts and texans but you never know there's still two weeks left to be played i know week 17 started tonight but there's still two weeks left to be played um and as uh as jim carrey would say you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> uh, if if I looked at the way it shakes out right now, I think the Jags fall out, and I think it becomes a Colts and Texans showdown, and uh, I, that's where it gets hairy. Um, we could get a Week 18. The Texans and Colts play in Week 18. That could be oh, the, I'm sorry. the division. You know what? I completely I didn't math that math correct. I just put eight teams into the playoffs. Yeah, you did. Uh, the I math did. ain't mathing, but it's okay. The math ain't mathing there. Uh, ooh, then answer me this. Colts or Texans? Because I think I, it's well, going to be one they of them. Play, they play in week 18. And yeah, if I, I if CJ Stroud can play, if he can play, which sounds like he's closer to, to well, he's going to clear concussion protocol. according yeah, to Yeah, he said he's going to play this week. Yeah, um, if they could win their last two games, they get Tennessee and they get Indianapolis. Those are both winnable games. They win those two games. I think they're in. You get that win over the Colts. That moves you up one. You got to beat Tennessee this week. Jacksonville, honestly, I don't. I mean, they're playing Carolina, but I could very much see a scenario in which, let's see who they play. They play Tennessee week eighteen. Ah, oh, that's tough. 
There's no That's no tough. no offense no offense to the Colts and no offense to Gardner Minshew, but I do not want to see them in the playoffs because that no. is a team I know isn't going anywhere. That's at least team. if I have Trevor Lawrence in there, at least if I have C.J. Stroud in there, I have good quarterbacks to watch. I have good storylines to watch. I do not need to see the Colts in here because I already know what they are. Yeah, and and they've overachieved, and I feel like the wheels are just starting to fall off here down the back yeah. stretch of the season. The way they played in Atlanta last week was was pretty discouraging, and and kind of fit where they are as a team right now. So I would agree. If I had to pick any of the AFC South teams right now that I want to see in the playoffs, it's Houston. I don't know if they're going to get there by winning the division, which might cause a problem. But super interesting uh, final couple of weeks from a division that nobody wanted to watch starting the season. So uh, that'll be fun on the NFC side. Um, because I think the Chiefs will get in. They'll, they'll figure it out. I don't think the Bengals and Steelers are going to make it, and I think the Raiders, uh, for as well as they played under, under Antonio Pierce, uh, I think they're going to end up just short too. But on the NFC side, we already got four spots locked up, so we got three left, and the three teams left in the hunt are, Sean, the Buccaneers, the Rams, and the Seahawks. So let's go straight to Tampa, right where you cover the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and let's talk about one of my favorite teams to watch in football right now, Baker yes, Mayfield's Buccaneers. Sean, they're going to win the division, okay? First yeah, off, they're going they're to win, gonna win week, the division. Yeah. They're going to win it this week. They're going to get a home game. They may get the cow. They'll probably get the Cowboys. And I got to be honest with you, man. I that that's a toss up to me. I think they got a great shot based on how they're playing football right now. I was inside the locker room today, and I, I was just talking to a couple of the fellow media members, and there is a feeling just. It doesn't feel like it did last year, right? When when Tom Brady and the Buccaneers had a losing record, yes, they won a terrible NFC South, so they got a home game. I think everyone that came into the stadium that night knew the Cowboys were going to run them out of the building, and they did basically by halftime. There was a steady flood of Bucks fans leaving the stadium at halftime, continuing into the third and fourth quarters. Um, that's not the feeling this time around. People are starting to talk like, okay, if we get the Eagles again, not too bad. It's probably either going to be the Eagles or the Cowboys. Like we know, it's going to most likely be one of those two teams. Um, and there's a more, I guess, relaxed feeling. Like I don't know if they're going to win, but they'll be in that game a lot more than they were last year. Um, this is not the same Buccaneers team that we saw even five weeks ago. Four straight wins. Dave Canales has done a great job as offensive coordinator with this team. I asked him today, was there ever a, a, a moment where you thought, okay, this isn't working? Like what we are doing is not working. And he said, absolutely. Because that's a human condition. When we were losing, you know, six of seven games, of course I had to ask myself, is this even working? Do we need to change? But they decided to just stick with it because they saw things in their game that they liked. It wasn't for a lack of effort. It was just a lack of execution, mistakes here and there. And once they fixed those, this looks like a completely different team. I mean, it was 30 to nothing against the Jags this week at Ray J. Like, it was almost like what the Browns just had tonight is what the Bucks had last week against the Jags. It was proof. It was validation that they are, in fact, a good playoff team that someone should be concerned about. Yeah, um, and a lot of that is credit to what you just said, Dave Canales. Dave Canales and Baker Mayfield, who are working in incredible sync right now. It's no longer an offense that's just predicated on Mayfield tossing up to Mike Evans and hoping for the best. He's throwing the ball over the yard. Rashad White has figured out how to run the ball effectively, maybe not so much last weekend, but over the last month, he's run the ball much better. And we've seen them benefit from it, and the defense is starting to come around too. It, speaking of which, 
Uh, Devin White was in the crosshairs all week. Had a pretty yep. damn good game on Sunday. Didn't start, didn't start the game, but he no. played a lot of it. You've also got Yaya Diaby, who is just wow this kid's a freak oh my god talk to him today too and he's such a like i he's a guy i like to root for because you talk to him he's very soft-spoken uh he's very yes sir no sir but i mean he is a monster out on there in the field and i think it was uh he had a who who was it at nfl uh, network that said he's he's my defensive rookie of the year i don't know who it was but um i don't necessarily disagree with that at this point because he's been coming on strong really late he had a sack in this game it was him and kalijah cansey both met at the quarterback and i was like hell yep. yeah i love it when young guys contribute at the same time like i was like there's the not future that, of their defensive front it's not only that you have kalaja Kansi, you have servasia dennis again another guy out of pit but he's been banged up with injuries this year then you have yeah yeah diaby you also have zion mccollum back there playing both yep. corner and safety whenever jamel dean or carlton davis are injured which is every week at this point and he looks like he's only a second year guy and he looks pretty good too so the bucks are they had a quiet rebuild here. Credit to Jason Light for for the draft, the last couple of drafts that he's just kind of rebuilt this defense. Uh, Christian Isian, the the nickelback, also yeah here as a rookie. Yes. Um, it's a, it's a really fun group that I think they're peaking at the right time or ascending at the right time, and it's going to make them a, a sneaky tough out in the playoffs when they get there because they are going to get there. And I, look, man, I love him, hate him. In in this city, people are split between him and and the whole Deshaun thing. But Baker Mayfield's balling right now dude he is playing fantastic football he is doing everything that you expect from him but he's also operating an offense that's perfectly designed around his strengths and it's really fun to watch he has a perfect passer rating in green bay two weeks ago he puts together a phenomenal game again last week i mean the guy is playing some of the best football of his career he's going to make a lot of money in the offseason based on what he's done and i think the buccaneers might have their long-term quarterback as crazy as that sounds it, it really does. I am Florida man. It really does sound crazy. Almost as crazy as Joe Flacco coming off the couch to lead the Browns. To the, Not quite, to the, uh, but almost. Playoffs. All right, rest um, of the NFC. Yeah. Uh, let's do Rams, another team that came out of nowhere. They are this oh, year's man. Seahawks. They were not supposed yes. to do much. And Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford are both at playing at a, at a premier level right now, coaching and playing at a premier level. Matthew Stafford's playing some of the best football of his career. Sean McVay is putting together one of his best coaching performances over a season in his career as a coach, and that includes the year that they won the Super Bowl. And Puka Nakua, we've already talked about him, but it's crazy when you look at the receiving you know, list after a game and Cup is like third or fourth on the list when it comes to leading in that game because Puka's up there and Demarcus Robinson has a great yeah. game. And then there's Tutu Atwell is in there. Uh, you know, Tyler Higby has been able to make a contribution. This is a team that has benefited so much from a good, quiet, but good offseason. They rebuilt their offensive line. They've gotten a lot of uh, production from guys that people didn't pay attention to um, uh, on the defensive line. Kobe, uh, Kobe, he's been fantastic on that defensive line. Uh, Kobe Turner, uh, I, I was uncertain about his name, so I waited until I, I double checked that to make sure. Uh, they're playing because there's also a Kobe Durant on that team. Um, they're playing great football right now. And I think that that's another team that's going to make the playoffs. They have a 67% chance of making it as it stands right now because there's only two wild card spots left. But if the Buccaneers get in there, that's your four seed. Cowboys five, Rams and Seahawks six and seven as it stands right now. Rams got to go beat the Giants. Uh, that's going to be tough. But I think they can get that done because the Giants are kind of fading. 
Seahawks get the Steelers this week. Seahawks have been very up and down. I'm not ready to buy in, but the good thing about them is the teams that are beneath them in the NFC, that's the Vikings, the Packers, the Saints, and the Falcons. I don't have confidence in the Saints because they don't know who they are. The Falcons don't know who they are or which quarterback they want to play. The Packers are sneaky and could jump up there and steal a spot, and the Vikings are on Jaron Hall this week, and I think they're dead too. So right now you really have one threat outside of that top seven, and that's the Green Bay Packers. So I'm feeling really good about the Rams, feeling all right about the Seahawks, a lot of reasons to pay attention to football in these final two weeks, starting with what happened tonight. I think we're looking at our six and seven seats here with the Seahawks and Rams because it's very possible that they both win out. Uh, the Seahawks, who they got, I mean, they got the Steelers, and then they got the Cardinals. This is going to be a tough week for both the Steelers and the Seahawks. This is a must-win game for both of them. Otherwise, their playoff uh, prediction, their playoff future just takes a nosedive. Yeah, the Seahawks are three-and-a-half-point favorites at home. You know, that's kind of your standard favorite. Yeah, exactly. That, 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 that's, that's a home favorite right there. Yeah. And I don't want to like the Steelers fan of me doesn't want to say, Oh, the Seahawks are going to win this game, but I think they are going to win this game because what Mason Rudolph did last week was great, but we've seen so much from him and so much of what we seen, <laughs> have you. seen from Thank him you. has been mediocre. Hey, it was a good story for one week. We can't all have Joe Flacco's. Okay. We can't all have that Joe Flacco coming off the couch. It was great. What we saw. But still, this offense has a lot of problems. Again, if, if George Pickens isn't, you know, catching the ball and running it for another 100-plus yards on two catches, eh, that game could turn out very different. Yeah. Um, so I, th- I, I think say, the Seahawks and Rams probably went out and they make the playoffs. I got to give the Steelers the tip of the cap, man. I got to thank them for bringing the Jake Browning story back to earth a little bit. Now, look, I love when a backup quarterback comes in and thrives. I'm not a hater. Don't peg me as one. But I watched Jake Browning for four years at Washington. That guy ain't the guy who was thrown for 350-plus for a few years in a row, okay? Tell you Uh, what, if we can go to that game real quick, lost in all of the George Pickens and Mason Rudolph hype was the fact that the Steelers' defense, which essentially had no middle linebackers, no safeties, somehow came away with, what, four picks in that game? Yeah. Whatever Mike Tomlin and Daryl Austin did uh, to that defense should be commended. Yeah, they – this is kind of a Terrell Austin thing, but it's really more a Steeler thing. They tend to rise up in situations like that against inexperienced quarterbacks and make life hell for them. I've seen them do it to the Browns for years. Even if their personnel is not you know, up to snuff, they still find ways to make it really rough for quarterbacks. I mean, I, I remember they got Baker Mayfield on two different picks in two different games where it was just cover one robber and Minka slid down and picked him off twice. Like they're just... And that's with Mika. Obviously, he's not, you know, that, that, that caliber of player is not playing back there right now. But at the same time, scheme wise. Patrick Peterson probably, played safety, Nick. Yeah. Patrick Peterson played safety. Yeah, that's probably where he belongs at this stage in his career, if we're being completely honest. Uh, all right. That wraps up our playoff picture, then. I think we're in agreement. I think the Seahawks and Packers, that's a toss up, but I think this, that you're right about the Seahawks having a good shot. The Packers have to go play Minnesota and Chicago to finish the season. Chicago coming on strong as of late might save Matt Eberflus's job. We'll find out. Well, that's going to do it for our playoff predictor. Uh, no do you even know this week. Sorry to the diehard fans who are here all the time and always enjoy that segment because Katie's not here and we didn't have time to prep because a lot of stuff's going on and it's the holidays. By the way, tip of the cap also to Mason Rudolph for picking the perfect time to have a great game and set up all the Christmas puns in the world. Thank you for having the last name Rudolph, my friend. Let's switch over Angels to our year. Over by reindeer. <laughs> Let's switch over to our year in review, Sean. Your favorite story from the NFL this year. Fire away. Mason. I'm not kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, favorite. <laughs> st- would, wouldn't that be crazy, though? What if he's the future of quarterback in Pittsburgh? Jeez. Wouldn't that be a real gas? 
uh, be a gas. Uh, hey, man, weirder things have happened. Um, let me think. My my favorite story in the NFL this year, it's got to be the rise of the backup. Like okay. every, every every other week, we're just seeing a different backup do something crazy and step up. Whether and it's not there's not a lot of sustained success. I mean, Joe Flacco is the exception, not the rule. But when you think about Josh Dobbs, when you think about Zach Wilson, there even had a minute. Jake Browning, Mason Rudolph. Um, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Last year, it was Geno Smith. There's a lot of Geno Smiths this year, um, and it's kind of fun to watch. I mean, because. How many of these teams are making it to the playoffs thanks to the work put in by a backup quarterback at some point in the season? Yeah, I would agree. Josh Dobbs, um, I mean, you can continue to go down the list pretty far. Some teams have had it worse than others, the Jets being one. Um, but it's, and even, you know, the Nick Mullins experience in Minnesota was, God, I needed a nap and a cigarette after their most recent game, 400 yards, but four picks. It was just like on the edge of the Easton stick. Didn't look bad last week for the chargers. He didn't look look great, but he didn't look bad. Uh, By the way, Bailey Zappi, man, what is he just only like to play well in prime time? My guy's slinging it under the lights. Just play all the Patriots games at night. Just do that, guys, and you'll figure everything out. You don't even have to get rid of Bill Belichick. I like that. I agree with that. Uh, my favorite story is, of course, the Cleveland Browns, and specifically Joe Flacco, but more than Joe Flacco, um, the way this team has rallied. You know, they, they did the whole, like, us against the world thing way too early in the season. I was like, all right, guys, whatever, and they were, like, tweeting out, oh, if you ain't on the bandwagon, you better get on now while there's still spots remaining. I'm like, okay, all right. Yeah, you guys like to dance and you do stuff well. Indeed, they have a hell of a defense, but I was cynical and not a believer, and yet they've just continued to win. They've won games they had no business winning. They beat the 49ers with P.J. Walker at quarterback. They beat the Bears by scoring two you know, touchdowns in the final quarter to erase a 10-point deficit and win that game. It's just been nuts. The, the way they've played this year has just been nuts with everything you know against them. They should not be here, and yet they are. So that is my favorite story. We'll see where it goes. Uh, we will see where it goes. I think anything is possible for them because – all the rationale that you use to evaluate a team is out of the window with this team. Uh, they've, they're already below critical mass, and yet they keep finding ways to win. So that's my favorite story. What's your least favorite story, Sean? Uh, I have two, actually, since one of them did technically happen in 2023. The whole the Eagles got robbed of a Super Bowl title because of the whole hold on Juju Smith-Schuster. Like that whole narrative for a week. Like, how do you call that in that moment? Well, did he hold him? Yeah, but yeah. how do you call it? Did he hold him? Well, yeah, but how do you call it? Because he held him. Like, I, I don't know what you want me to tell you, man. He held him. Like the, the Eagles did not get cheated out of a Super Bowl. It's just how it is. I'm sorry, you lost. There's no, there's no fix. There's no NFL writing the script so Patrick Mahomes could win another Super Bowl. It's not. You, you lost, okay? So that irked me for a long time. Then, if I may remind you, as we're doing our podcast episodes over the summer and we're doing, oh, where will these quarterbacks go? Oh, Where did no. I say Aaron Rodgers was going to go? He was going to go to New York, and I scoffed at you just because I thought that was preposterous. Yeah, you scoffed at me. And yet. Here he is in a Jets uniform, running out with an American flag under the spotlight to take all of five snaps. Then that storyline became, well, I mean, he's listening to Dolphins have sex. Could he come back this year? <laughs> he might come back this year. Oh, my God, he's going to come back this year. He's walking, guys. Aaron Rodgers is walking. He's running. He's taking snaps. He didn't come back. He was never coming back. Like, for the love of God, he's a 40-year-old man. He's not coming back off Achilles surgery. 
He could have if they would have been in contention. You shut up. Maybe. That was also my least favorite story. I was just, I was tired of it from, God, the moment that they were, that they lost to the Lions in week 18 and the Lions didn't get in the playoffs, but they kind of housed them in their house. Uh, I was just like, oh God, here we go. Months of run, wondering where Aaron Rodgers is going to go. He goes on Pat McAfee to announce that his intent is to go to the Jets, but the deal's not done. And I'm sitting there transcribing it and writing about it. I'm just, and he's talking and you know how he loves to talk long winded, smartest guy in the room. And I'm just like, Oh my God, can we please? Yeah. It, it might, already? it might not have been my least favorite storyline if he just wasn't so asinine. Yeah. And I, it's also my least favorite because for as much as I disliked the constant talk about him and he, and anybody who's listening to this podcast knows gridiron podcast, not fans of Aaron Rodgers. I still hated seeing him go down because the worst thing that can happen to somebody who puts themselves in a position where they must deliver is that they don't have an opportunity to win or lose. They yeah. just get knocked out by injury. And that sucked. Like I wanted them to either be good or fail spectacularly. Like prove it to me on the field. Don't let an injury ruin the whole thing for everybody. And the worst part about it now is that they're going to run it back next year and it's going to be the same thing again. And hopefully he doesn't get hurt, but we're going to have to deal with this again, which is going to be. I'm not crazy. convinced that there's going to be a, a marked difference on offense, sure, but like, I don't know. There was some bad coaching tonight in Cleveland, and that's And, there's, and they're coming back, and they're all coming back, according to the owner. So, yikes. But another offseason of Aaron Rodgers talk coming up. Let's switch over to the other sport that we talk about in this podcast with the same theme. We're going to make it brief here, we're going to get out rather quickly. Let's do a year in review on the Formula One side, Sean. What is your favorite story from F1, a year in which Max Verstappen dominated? Okay, my favorite story had to have been the just emergence, the acceleration of McLaren from literally the worst car on the grid to one of the best cars on the grid. I mean, it was almost like overnight. This car was not making Q2. Uh, it was finishing in the teens. And then all of a sudden, I think it was uh, Silverstone. Yeah, yep. bam. He too. Pole, you know, second row, first row, podiums, almost every race where it became the expectation, which is where that team should be in all honesty, but they weren't there. And so I've not seen that a, a team go from so bad to so good where on any given day, they are almost as good as the Red Bulls. So that was a fun story to watch. And like you said, in the season where Max Verstappen dominated, not many great storylines to watch, but there were a few. Yeah, there were definitely a few. Um, we had. I think to dig I know what you're going to pick. I think I know what you're going to pick. Oh, I could say Max's dominance and his historic run of wins and everything else, and that's great, and I'm a Max fan, and that's fine. But I'm going to go completely out of left field here, Sean. And I'm going to say my favorite thing to watch on a weekly basis was the blossoming of Alexander Albon in the Williams. Oh, now, I did not think you were going to go there. He finished with 27 points, 13th in the driver's standings. Not that great, right? But he's driving a Williams, and he was consistently in the points or running in the points and getting to Q2 or Q3 in a car that should not be there. He drove so well. I felt vindicated. I felt good for him as if he redeemed himself for how quickly Red Bull quit on him. He was able to get into a much worse car and be a competitive driver with the pressure off. It was just really fun to watch him find success in a subpar car and really kind of carry Williams beyond the cellar that they've been in for so long and make them an interesting team again, flush with that Derilaton capital. 
Uh, I'm excited to see where they go. I'm not saying that they're going to be like McLaren and jump all the way up all of a sudden. Yeah, right. My other favorite story is what we're looking forward to with McLaren because Zach Brown said they're up to par now, finally, facilities-wise. They're finally caught up to everybody else. So now it's development season. They've been working on that car for a while. What's going to happen there? Are they going to be the new contender to Red Bull? Because Mercedes still can't figure oh. it out. Ferrari still can't figure it out. If it's McLaren Man, and I Red hope. Bull next year, whoo, baby. We're going to have a reason to watch. Reason to watch. We'll see again. you in Miami. Yeah, man, that'll be fun. Uh, Le- my least, least Yeah, my least favorite story. I mean, obviously, it was just Red Bull winning everything. But at some point, you have to take a step back and go, I can appreciate greatness for what it is because that's what this season was for Red Bull. Um, but at the same time, I really did not appreciate just seeing Red Bull win everything it it got annoying to the fact where as good as mclaren was i knew they didn't have a shot yeah i think uh qatar i think that was their one shot at actually winning a race and they couldn't do it um so yeah just the pure dominance of red bull um i can appreciate it but man it was just it was a snooze fest there my least favorite story i I, i'd struggle with this because a lot there was a lot to not like about this season um i didn't even like the idea of the vegas race until the vegas race actually happened yeah good point i could i could point to ferrari and their many mistakes i actually kind of have a favorite within that which is carlos signs finding a way to win a race like somehow working, working with a former teammate to to hold off the competition and win that race. That was fun because like that was the one bright spot in the season, which they still should have been better than they were. So I guess like my, my least favorite story is, is probably how quickly that avatar moved on from Nick DeVries. Um, it's not that I disagreed with it, but the way that they elevated Daniel Ricardo and then he didn't really drive all that much better. He didn't outdrive Yuki Sonoda for most of the season. Like I, the, Daniel Ricardo is a very marketable driver. He's a he's a figure that's good yeah. on camera and everything else. But like, I I don't know if he's got the chops. And then the whole like Sergio Perez, when's he gonna be gone? Is Daniel Ricardo gonna take his seat and all that stuff? I, I thought just you think- were gonna say so. Maybe this. I thought you were gonna say your favorite story was Daniel Ricardo coming back. No, that might have been a Katie answer. No, it it probably I don't know, or it would have been something related to a Canadian driver or something. No, I'm just kidding. I thought your your favorite story is gonna be Logan Sargent, but. I mean, what was really there to like about Logan Sargent? Um, I I just didn't. I like stories when there's substance to it. And it felt like it was really pushed in my face when there wasn't a whole lot of substance. I love Daniel Ricciardo. I do. Don't get me wrong. I don't know if he can still drive. That AlphaTauri car, however, is so far behind many of the other cars that we really couldn't tell. Um, I would like to see him in better machinery, but I still don't think that he would produce any better than Sergio Perez. And I felt like Perez got maligned unfairly by the fact that Ricciardo had been elevated to AlphaTauri. Did DeVries divert, deserve that seat off of one good drive? No, but I just disliked how they well, missed Well, I mean, also, he was like Formula E world champion. He had a good drive yeah, but, with Williams. Like, yeah, who else were we going to give it to? You know, like, it doesn't belong to He was at that age. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I mean, guess you're right. Yeah, I mean, he had he had a name, he had a pedigree. It's not like they just pulled him out of you know some feeder league. It's like, uh, all right, this guy has been around. He he knows what's what. Um, by the way, I think you mean racing bulls. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is it, it was so bad for them that they just rebranded the whole team. <laughs> they were supposed to be the Adidas. That was supposed to be their their new... Like They were Ugh. supposed to be the Adidas Formula One team. And I'm glad they aren't because then for months out of the year, Nick, I would have to hear not just debris, not just garage, but Adidas. 
Oh my like god! Imagine, like imagine. We, oh, I know. We avoided catastrophe, we disaster now, for our ears. To be fair, like that is actually how it should be pronounced. But us as Americans, we're not going to do that. Like, just imagine if like Nike ever buys a Formula One team, and we have to listen to Crofty say Nike. Ah, uh, yeah, I can't do that. Aluminium. I might, I might not. I might not be a fan anymore. Oh, I think I might watch the other broadcast that has. I see. I like. I like the the Crofty and Brundle broadcast. Like I prefer that over the one that I ends do. up on the F1 yeah. replays. But hey, I might have, that might prompt me to switch sides there. Luckily, we avoided that. Um, Look, man, I'm a company man, okay? Nothing about Adidas, Adidas here. It's all about the, the check. Checks over stripes. I think that's this is what he's champion. Oh, that's, that's, it, that's in vogue. All the kids, all the Zoomers like champion. Oh, they do. Oh, my little sister was like, I went to Ross, and I got a bunch of champion stuff, and it was so cheap. And I was like, yeah, because it's champion. It was last yeah, cool was like, in like 94. If I, if I showed up to school in champion gear, get my ass kicked. Exactly, <laughs> nerd. Over here, what rocking champion? What are you wearing? Fubu in two thousand eight, past when it was cool. Yeah, uh, the rise of champion. Another fun story of two thousand twenty-three. That's going to do it for a year in review. Let's move on to our final segment of the day. Let's get out under an hour. Hate it or love it, Sean? What is your hate? Um, I'll just go. I'll just go. I'll just go for for both here. Um. Because unfortunately, we do have some bad news to announce, Nick. Obviously, um, yes, Katie's not here tonight. She is working, but uh, she's had a tough time recently. We, it's been no secret that her, her loving companion, best friend on the pod, Carl, has not been doing great. And Carl has finally gone home to that and crossed the Rainbow Bridge. So Katie now has a guardian angel looking over her. Um, so I hate that for both Katie and Carl. Um, and I, we, we send her our love. Um, so I think I speak for both of us when I say that. So that's both my hate and my love yes um that is my hate as well um and it always hurts to lose a close friend whether it's a canine friend a human friend it's it's never easy and uh carl was always there for katie for a long time long before we knew her and he will be missed and we will be there to support her as we hope all of you are by listening to the podcast by you can reach out let her know that she's loved by all of us um my love is both being sent to katie after her loss of Carl. And also, to the city of Cleveland. Congratulations, Browns fans. You can go to sleep knowing your team's in the playoffs. And there's still a little bit to play for. I know my neighbors are probably at the bars right now. Having a grand old time. They took their shirts off at the game. They said tarps I thought off you were going to bail playoffs. on me tonight, actually, to go to the bars. I'm, I'm no, not going to lie. I thought you were going to wind up I'm, like town hall. I'm an adult. I have a job. Plus, I did enough drinking over the holidays for a few sure. weeks. I need to back off here and get back into, you know, might, might have put on a few pounds. My sister came over two weeks ago. This is also a love and made cookies. All my sisters came over. My whole family was here. Bridget's family was here. It was for her graduation. By the way, that's another love. Bridget is now Dr. Bridget. Oh, yes. I was going to say congrats to Dr. Bridget. Matter of fact, I don't deserve this. But in celebration of Bridget, put on the doctorate hat. You didn't earn that, Nick. You didn't earn what she earned. Why does it look awful on me? Because you have the world's worst shaped head. No, I, it could be much worse. But this is Bridget's doctor doctorate hat that I'm not wearing properly, and uh, this is earned by her. A lot of hard work went into it. I look like a colonist, but I promise you look, it look like better you belong on in the Harry Potter film. And uh, she deserves this. 
she's earned it she's worked hard and you all must refer to her now as dr bridget them's the rules i didn't make them up i didn't earn the doctorate she did so and that's soon my love nick will well. be mr dr bridget things going on here in the city right now the browns the browns are going to the playoffs my friend also credit to you for me doing that without my headphones on that was solid Good on you, you Sean. Hear me, though. Yeah, thank I you. I can now. Yeah, I can now. All right, that's going to do it. This has been episode 22 of the Gridiron Podcast. Shout out Andrew thank McCutcheon. But why? Did he retire a pirate or something? No, he's number 22. Oh, <laughs> you're right. That's how much I paid attention to Pirates baseball over the last 15 years. Well, yeah, uh, we want to talk about that. We send our shout outs and love to Katie. We look forward to her return to the podcast. As always, I think she's probably watching from the bah right now um and thank you to everybody who tuned in on x i don't call it x i call it twitter uh our first live stream to twitter our viewer count has jumped pretty significantly because of you guys nice thank you for hanging out for however long you were here and of course our diehards over on twitch and on youtube lemon bendy my guy madden big b out there as well he was sending some comments like this sean thinks he's funny I am funny. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm funny yeah. looking, that is. Damn it. <laughs> Cheers. Oh, God. To, to you, Sean. Uh, oh, tell him I, I intended to text him back um, and, and forgot to on Christmas. And Merry Christmas to him as well. A belated one. I, 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 will, I, will, text, myself, I will text but... Big Bob Barry tomorrow. Okay. Today, yeah. I guess. All right. This has been episode 22. Sean, how do we get out of here? Uh, I don't know, man. It's been so long since we've done one of these. For Nick Shook, I'm Sean Barry. This has been episode 22 of the Grid Iron Podcast. And yes, Big B, I am funny. As always, folks, thanks for watching and live life in the fast lane. Cheers, Cleveland. Cheers.